previously on Oxenities. We need more common sense gun control laws, and we need to ban certain weapons from being purchased by civilians. There was a shooting that involved a 19-year-old young man by the name of Nicholas Cruz. He went into the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School and opened fire on his peers, subsequently killing 17 people. Basically, they define black excellence as something that is black and portrays great qualities and abilities that make the black community proud. Claudette Colvin was born September 5th, 1939, and is a pioneer in the civil rights movement. On March 2nd, 1955, she was arrested for refusing to give up her seat on a bus in segregated Montgomery, Alabama. Nine months prior to Rosa Parks' famous arrest for the same offense. Let's talk this out. Harriet Tudman, a black woman, living in the North, she was a abolitionist. She freed slaves. She was a humanitarian. She devoted her life to helping people. She was a armed scout. And she was a spy. And y'all want to tell me that black girl magic ain't a thing. My lord got my back. So we gon' make it. My lord got my back. So we gon' make it. My lord got my back. So we gon' make it, we gonna make it out of slavery. Uh, Jack Roosevelt Robinson, born January 31st, 1919, was an American professional second baseman who became the first African American to play in Major League Baseball in the modern era. Those talking about how we should have not ostracize him? You didn't know this kid! Okay, we did! We know that there are claiming that there are mental health issues, and I am not a psychologist, but we need to pay attention to the fact that this isn't just a mental health issue. And now, with part two of Black Excellence, your host, Uncle Doug. Hi everybody, I'm your host, Uncle Doug, and welcome to the Oxenities Podcast. Yeah. yeah. I feel like all the other podcasts, all the other episodes have started out very loud and crass and manic and that's not me. I try my best to be a very calm and civilized individual. And I think those other episodes have painted me in a very negative light. So going forward, I will be starting all the episodes just like this. Very calm, very relaxed, so we can get some stuff done. Okay? Hell no! Are you insane? No, 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 no! I gotta be me, baby! I gotta be... I gotta be me! I gotta be loud! Yeah! Yeah! Come on! Gotta be me! Hit him again! Uh, <laughs> Welcome to episode 7, I think. Maybe. I don't know. It's Black Excellence Part 2. 
So we're going to talk about some stuff. Mostly James Baldwin and Marcus Garvey, but a few other little tidbits here and there discussing why black people are so awesome and why, oh why, do we allow ourselves to be lesser than what we really, really are. You know, a German Shepherd doesn't know how to be a cat. He can only be a German Shepherd. A gorilla does not know how to be a mouse. It has to be a gorilla. So why do black people try to not be as excellent as they possibly can? We're going to figure that out in a few. So stay tuned. Don't go away. Please don't go away. I swear to God, if you go away, I'm going to hurt you. I think Black History Month was created to celebrate those who fought hard to allow the black culture to rise out of captivity and to stand in freedom. However, I believe that because there has not been much growth in maintaining the liberty of the black culture, the community, the black community continue to struggle in terms of having the mentality or the mindset that others have caused them to be in this situation. Mm. And so woe is me. And my grandmother was a slave and the man keep allowing us to be kept down instead of shaking off the dust, rising above the old mentality and progressing forward. I look at other cultures who have been enslaved and they are rising out of the dust, brushing off themselves and moving forward. One such group are the Jewish people. Um, I think there can be change once we don't deliberate on the fact that the man keep us down but move beyond that i think that we have so much talent in the african community the black community that we can use the talent and create much growth for ourselves become entrepreneurs and get our culture moving forward. I think we are brilliant people. We have the ability to go beyond where we are. We just need to get out of that mindset that somebody keep is trying to keep me back and just move ahead. Okay, you guys, welcome back. Right now, I'd like to jump right in and talk about James Baldwin. 
He is known as Jimmy to his close friends. He is a author, a radical, an activist, public intellectual, unapologetically black prophet. <laughs> James Baldwin, middle name Arthur, was born August 2nd, 1924. He was an American novelist and social critic. His essays, as collected in Notes of a Native Son, explore palpable yet unspoken intricacies of racial, sexual, and social distinctions in Western society. Most notably in mid-20th century America. Some of Baldwin's essays are books, you know, long book links, including uh, The Fire Next Time, No Name in the Street, and The Devil Finds Work, an unscripted manuscript that he wrote uh, a while back called uh, Remember This House was expanded and adapted into cinema as a... uh, Academy Award nominated documentary. You may have heard of it. It is I Am Not Your Negro. Here here's 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 a quick clip of of that presentation. If any white man in the world says give me liberty or give me death, the entire white world applauds. When a black man says exactly the same thing, he is judged a criminal and treated like one, and everything possible is done to make an example of this bad nigger so there won't be any more like him. The story of the Negro in America is the story of America. It is not a pretty story. Most of the white Americans I've ever encountered surely have nothing whatever against Negroes. That's really not the question. Really a kind of apathy and ignorance. You don't know what's happening on the other side of the world because you don't want to know. In America, I was free only in battle, never free to rest. We need to take action, any kind of action, by any means necessary. They needed us to pick the cotton, and now they don't need us anymore. Now they don't need us, they're going to kill us all off. There are days when you wonder what your role is in this country and what your future is in it. I can't be a pessimist because I'm alive. The question you've got to ask yourself, the white population of this country has got to ask itself, is why it was necessary to have a nigger in the first place. Because I'm not a nigger. I'm a man. But if you think I'm a nigger, it means you need it. And you've got to find out why. And the future of the country depends on that. Damn. Powerful stuff. Really, truly powerful. I I never saw the entire documentary because I just couldn't watch it. There were parts of it that were making me so angry. So I just saw a brief amount of it. I do want to go and rewatch it 
Because back then when I saw it, I was very young and angry. Now I feel a little more enlightened because I know the the background of all of it. The power in what he was talking about, what James Baldwin was talking about in his manuscript, right? Even just the title, I am not your Negro. Powerful words, powerful set of imagery because the word Negro is a Spanish word. It means black. And it's very important that we realize that. Because nigger, N-I-G-G-E-R, is derived from the Latin word nigger, N-I-G-E-R, which means black. This was amid the late 1600s around there when Latin was still somewhat used. The Spanish developed their vocabulary and derived the black from their word into N-E-G-R-O, negro, black, right? And from there, the French derived theirs, negre, N-E-G-R-E, with a little accent over the first E. From there, the English derive their word, N-E-G-E-R, to describe black. Because, yeah, we had the word black, but N-E-G-E-R, that was used to describe black people. And it wasn't until the late 1700s that the Western white people used N-I-G-G-E-R, nigger. They used that against us. They used that to make us feel like shit, to make us feel less than what we are. And it worked. I know today in black culture, we have reappropriated the word. And we've dropped the ER and added an A. And we are now calling each other nigga. That's my friend, that's my boy, that's my homie, that's my nigga. And you know what? Words in general are, they're subject to interpretation, right? You can use a word in one way and use the same word in a completely different way and it be the completely different meanings there are tons of words that are like that the English dictionary is riddled with them now with that being said I don't necessarily agree with us letting white people slide on it and I'll I'll, I'll explain I'll explain myself so 
you have a young white man that has tons of black friends, you know, hanging out with him. And he says, yo, what's up, my nigga? Okay, cool. Really, bitch? Every single time. Every single time, I really just want to just turn it. You know what? Seeing as you're listening. Okay, Google. What does nigger mean? I don't understand. Good. Good. Because if you did... I would break you. I would throw you in the trash. So, when you think about it, he doesn't understand the struggle. He doesn't understand what the origins of the word is. And I know that sounds a bit like, oh, well, that's that's kind of selfish. You mean to tell me that somebody has to understand what the word means and understand the struggle that the person has gone through? Just so that they can use that word. Well, do you understand the struggle that tomatoes have gone to? Maybe you shouldn't be saying tomatoes. You know what? I I see where you're coming from. I understand your philosophy. And I will defend your right to say that as much as you, you, know, you want. But if I catch you saying the word nigga, I'm going to punch you right in the face. And be proud of it. Because you ain't no nigga. You may know niggas, you may know niggers, but you ain't no nigga. And as far as I'm concerned, the word is dirty. It's a very dirty word, as, as far as I look at it. And I'm not going to stand here and be a hypocrite and say, oh, it was a dirty word. I've used it, I've said it, and I say it. Yeah, it's a thing. Call me a hypocrite. Fine, I will admit to it. But you know what? I don't say, I don't use any, I guess, racist slangs towards other individuals that these words were derived or developed to use against them. I may know them, but I don't use them. Because I don't feel like I should use it. I don't think it's cool. I don't think I should be calling any Hispanic person a blank. Or an Italian person a blank. Or even calling a woman a blank. Because I don't understand their struggle. I've never been there. I know my struggle. I know my struggle as a black man. I know it. I can tell you how many times I have personally gone, sat on the train, how many times I've gone on the train and sat next to a white lady or a white guy or whatnot, and they visibly seem uncomfortable, and I didn't do anything to them. That's my struggle. That's something that I got to live with. I understand it. You don't. So don't say it. Don't use it. It's that easy. And... Maybe it's wrong of us as black people to put an embargo on a word. But at the same time, we're using the word. But then you really got to think about it, right? What is so appealing about this one word that makes y'all so upset? You don't want 
no, no. You want to use the word, and you say, oh, it's unfair that black people get to use this word, but we can't. But why do you want to use it? It's a word that has been used to associate itself with segregation and with persecution against primarily black people. And we have taken the word and tried to reappropriate the word in a way that it represents slang and culture and, I don't know, just genuinely us being cool. And you want to use that word? The logic of it doesn't make sense. I, I don't get it. It's not like you have certain words that are so cool and so awesome, and we're like, well, why can't we say that? That's not nice. It, we, we should be able to use that word too. No, we, we don't want to. But it's just another point of people trying to integrate themselves in the black community by using all of our stuff. Like, fuck off. <laughs> let us use what we want to use let us say what we want to say and it's black people themselves that are fighting against each other oh we we shouldn't be doing this we shouldn't be doing that matter of fact i think it was back in the 90s early 90s that the ncwa and no the naacp yeah they held a funeral for the word nigger. Look it up. Seriously, it's wild. They had a whole procession, right? They had a church deal. Then they put the word in a casket, a wooden casket, and they walked down, was it Sunset Boulevard? Mm, I can't really remember where. But they walked down this road and buried the word in the cemetery like they buried it they said the word's dead now we don't have to use it they can't use it against us all of this and it's i'm like you can't bury your history that's our history that's what it is say whatever you want however you feel about the word that's that's on you you know what i mean however you feel about jesus or allah or the president that's on you and that's your right to say that freedom of speech you have a right to do it and as long as i live i will defend that right but you can't tell me don't ever say that word again in the same way that i can't tell anybody white that they can't say it see that see how that works out gotta look at things from both sides now, let's say, for example, there's some white guy that's saying nigger, 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 nigger. And every single time he says it, he gets punched in the throat, right? Every time. Eventually, it's going to be like, you know what? Uh, every time this action happens, there is a negative reaction that is connected with it. Maybe I shouldn't say it. So, yeah, I don't want to say it anymore. It's not cool. And there you go. Problem solved. Now I'm not saying run around and punch people in the throat. I'm against that. Unless they deserve it. Actually, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Do whatever you want. Have fun. The world is your oyster.
<laughs> what I'm trying to say is understand that yes, it is a word and yes, it is a powerful word and yes, it has so many meanings and so many connotations. All I'm trying to say is understand your worth. If you feel as if anybody can use the word against you, you don't have any feelings towards it, you don't feel any kinds of way, then by all means, do that and stand by that. Own that and defend that. If you feel like nobody should be saying it, stand by it. Own it. Don't say it. Don't use it. If you feel like only black people should be able to use it, same deal. Own it. Be that. Embrace that. But regardless of whatever you feel, you should feel something. Because it's our history. And it's our culture. It's what made us into the people that we are today. Think, however you want to look at it, however you want to think about it, nigga defines us. And as far as Black History Month go, um, I never really um, take heed to it like that, you know, as far as, you know, going about and being all black powery, uh, you know, I bump, bump up my fist in the ear and, uh, you know, I walk around proud for be black and everything. I mean, do that every day. I mean, I really need a month to be, you know, I say, to show black history or to show black pride per se but um it always good for sure like why four parents got through you know just to get a little piece of survival yeah in the indies but you know the black history where them got through is is a, is a black history of slavery you see but i mean black history i just I always find it depressing kind of just what do you say, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, they see the abuse of black people have to go through. Um, I mean, really, my focus on the negative stuff, then, and then, you know, positive stuff. It's positive, you know, but it would be nice for no say, when they get go, you know, them view black people as people rather than slaves. And, um,. Them never have to go through them shit there, feeling, you know. I mean, white man come tell them, say, yeah, 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 monkey, you know, inferior to me, you know, I'm going to enslave the blood clay. Uh, I don't know, yeah. Never really. I always have focus on the bad part. But black history, man. So I'm eating an apple <clears throat> while I'm doing this, doing my research and everything. And it dawned on me that an apple is the thing that hit, you know, Albert Einstein. Wait, what? Albert Einstein? Isaac Newton. Whoa. <laughs> Albert Einstein. Sir Isaac Newton. Hit him in the head while he was sitting under an apple tree. And 
gave him the idea of, well, not that gave him, but accentuated the idea of gravity, right? On a scientific plane. And you got to think now that a lot of technology that we have nowadays actually uh, employs the idea of gravity. Basketball. As simple as a sport it is. Dribble a ball down a court, throw the ball in the basket, score, run back, wait for the other team to try to do that, stop them, go do it yourself. Aeronautic technology, flying a plane, all of that. How long can I keep this plane up weighing such and such pounds? What amount of power do I need to power the plane to keep the plane going? Then I think, what possibly had to happen to some of these civil rights members or civil rights protesters, leaders, whatever you want to call them? What is it that hit them in the head and made them think, you know what? Black people should be treated as equal. Think about that. What what did it? Now in today's day and age, we all feel like we should be treated equal because of them. We see ourselves now as equal. Well, at least most of us do. Because of them. But what inspired them to do this? What was it? What was it that at one point had black people so confused and so brainwashed into thinking we're not like them, they're better than us, we're lesser than them, we should be lesser than them? Yeah, I know, slavery happened, I know all of this happened, I know, you know, they used the uh, the Bible to brainwash us and all of that stuff, sure, cool. Okay, what I'm trying to say is, how is it that we had these few, these chosen few that stood up and said, you know what, we should be equals. And then think about the people that like fought against that idea. (laughs) No, you're not equal. What do you mean by I'm not equal? I have a heart, you have a heart. I have lungs, you have lungs. I have a kidney, you have a kidney. I have a brain, you have a brain. Because remember, they were dissecting black people. (laughs) They were cutting us open, seeing what was inside of us, seeing what ticked, trying to figure out what made us different than them. And they found that we're the same. But that brings me to Marcus Messiah Garvey. And what made him think, you know what? We all need to be 
treated equal. We are kings and queens. And we are being treated like beggars. Something struck them. Maybe it was an apple. Marcus Messiah Garvey Jr., born August 17, 1887, was a proponent of black nationalism in Jamaica, and especially the United States. He was a leader of a mass movement called Pan-Africanism, and he founded the Universal Negro Improvement Association and African Communities League, or the UNIA. ACL. He also founded the Black Star Line, a shipping and passenger line which promoted the return of the African diaspora to their ancestral lands. If all of this seems a bit like over the top, I'll explain what it is. So the African diaspora is basically derived, it's defined as any black person that isn't in Africa. Any black person that's living outside of Africa that has taken up residency in that land. So, black Americans, black Mexican? Is that politically correct? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Jamaicans, um, uh, Bahamians, anybody that isn't living in Africa. Like, uh, it's not like you're from Nigeria and you are studying in London. No, you're not in the diaspora. You're just studying. You're, you are African. You haven't given up your African rights. So what he did was come up with the Black Star Line, which was supposed to be a way to transport all of us black folks back to Africa to repopulate and recolonize our ancestral homes. Now, Marcus, I am not against you. There's a lot of things that you say that are impactful in my mind and in my heart. Matter of fact, Marcus Garvey is, if y'all don't notice, he is a national hero back in Jamaica. He's a big deal, like a really big deal. I'm look up to him, like honestly, look up to him like a lot. When I grew up, Marcus Garvey was my absolute favorite hero, right? He has a very specific quote where he say, if you have no confidence in self, you are twice defeated in the race of life. But with confidence, you have won before you have ever started. Yo, <laughs> like, let me tell you, when me I grew up, the first time I read that, the first time I hear that, it truly made me feel like so I can't accomplish anything. I can't conquer anything. That, that right there for me was a big deal. And with... Everything that he tried to accomplish with the Black Star Line, as I said, I get it. I get the idea. I get the thought process that he was going with. But 
you have to understand if you take somebody from let's say Boca, Florida. Take a black dude from Boca. No shade on Boca people, but you take a black dude from Boca and you drop him in the middle of Kenya. What what's what, what? I I just don't think that the the infrastructure that he had set up was sufficient enough. The idea is a truly beautiful idea. There should be we as black people, we should not only invest in our communities that we're from, you know what I mean? But also invest in Africa. Africa is our motherland. Africa is our history. It's our culture. It is our heritage. So we should invest in it. I think he should have went that line instead of the, oh, ship everybody back to Africa and we will fix Africa. It's actually pretty wild because he um, he he crowned himself as a uh, president of Africa, like self-proclaimed. <laughs> See that confidence. My man's was he you couldn't tell him nothing either. I'm sure his people's was like. So, Marcus, we we see that you're going around here telling people that you're the king of Africa or or the president of Africa. Yeah. And yeah, you can't do that. Well, why not? Be, because Africa has multiple like um countries and they have multiple leaders, multiple presidents and prime ministers, so they they're not happy. Okay, well, what are they doing for black people? Yeah, Mar Marcus, I hear what you're saying. No, no, no. I am the prime minister of Africa. Point blank, period. Moving on. <laughs> Yo, this dude is wild. <laughs> mm, but, okay. <laughs> now, although most... African or most American black leaders condemned his methods and his support for racial segregation. Garvey attracted a large following, right? The black star line did eventually go bankrupt and Garvey was imprisoned for mail fraud in the uh, selling of his stock. And his movement then rapidly collapsed after that. But prior to that, not even prior to that, after that, he became a huge proponent for racial equality, for black equality. Many leaders came after him. Malcolm X, uh, uh, Martin Luther King, that looked up to him and his ideals and his thoughts on what black culture should be and they followed him they followed his footsteps if you will now <clears throat> prior to the 20th centuries leaders such as prince hall uh martin delaney who edward wilmot biden or was it bilden i think that's what his name bilden yeah and Henry Highland Garnet, they all advocated 
the involvement of the African diaspora in African affairs. Garvey actually was unique in advancing a pan-African philosophy to inspire mass global movement and economic empowerment, focusing around Africans or focusing around Africa. And this was called Garveyism. Garveyism intended persons of African ancestry in the diaspora to redeem the nations of Africa and for the European colonial powers to leave the continent. His essential ideas about Africa were stated, well, in a... It, it was stated in an editorial that he made um, entitled Negro World, African Fundamentalism, where he wrote, Our union must know no cline, boundary, or nationality to let us hold together under all climes and every country Garveyism was uh, promoted by the UNIA and a movement of African redemption Garveyism would eventually inspire others ranging from the nation of Islam and uh, the Rastafarian movement who proclaim Garvey as a prophet now I'm a play this quick clip of you of Marcus Garvey actually doing a speech right so check it out when I am dead wrap the mantle of the red the black and the green around me for in the new life I shall rise up with God's prince and blessing to lead the millions up the heights and the triumph that you will know Look for me in a world when there is storm. Look for me all around you. For with God's grace, I shall come back with countless millions of black men and women who have died in America, those who have died in the West Indies, and those who have died in Africa to aid you in the fight for liberty, freedom, and life. Any leadership that teaches you to depend upon another race is a leadership that will enslave any leadership that teaches you to depend upon another race is a leadership that will enslave you. They gave leadership to our four parents and that leadership made them slaves. But we have decided to find a leadership of our own to make ourselves free men. Our great scholars haven't passed through the colleges and universities have thrown away the blessed record. Babylon did it. Assyria did it. France under Napoleon did it. Germany under Prince von Bismarck did it. England under... America under George Washington did it. Africa with 400 million black people can do it. If you cannot do it, if you are not prepared to do it, then you will die. You race of cowards, you race of imbeciles, you race of good for nothing. If you cannot do what other men have done, what other nations have done, what other races have done, then you have better die. Can we do it? 
We can do it. We shall do it. We have prayed to God for vision and for leadership. And He has given us our universal vision. A vision that will not limit our possibilities to America. A vision that will not limit our possibilities to the West Indies, but a vision that says they must be a free and redeemed Africa. Christ to crucify, Christ to despise. We appeal to you for help, for succor, for leadership. When you endeavor to carry your burden of the heights of Calvary, when white men spawn you, when white men scorn you, when white men spot upon you, when white men pierce your side out of which little water gush forth, it was a black man in the name of Simon the Syrian who took your cross and bore it up the heights of Calvary. And now that we are bearing our burden of being so heavy, we just ask that you just help us all up the heights. Oh, yes, the cause is grand, the cause is glory. Surely we shall not turn back. Oh, Ceylon, 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 almighty ship of state, Ceylon. Ceylon until the flag of the red, the black, and the green is perched upon the hills of their Africa. Because the time has come for the black man to forget his hero worship of other races. And to create and emulate heroes of his own. We must canonize our own saints. Create our own martyrs and elevate the positions of fame and honor black men and women who have made a distinct contribution to our racial history. Sojourner Truth is worthy of a place of sainthood alongside the Joan of Arc. Christmas Addison and George William Garden are entitled to the halo of martyrdom with no less glory than the martyrs of any other race. Toussaint Levitur's brilliancy of a soldier or a statesman outshone that of any other people, hence he's entitled to the highest place as a hero among men. Because Africa created millions and countless millions of black men and women in war and peace, whose luster and bravery outshone that of any other people. So why not see good and perfection in ourselves? We must inspire our literature and promulgate a doctrine of our own without any apologies to the powers that be. That right is ours and God. Let sentiments and cross opinions go to the winds. We are entitled to our own opinions. And are not obligated to or bound by the opinions of others. If others laugh at you, return the laughter to them. If they mimic you, return the compliment with equal force. Because they have no more right to dishonor, discredit you in manhood than you have in dealing with them. Honor them when they honor you. Disrespect and disregard them when they vilely treat you. Their arrogance is but skin deep. An assumption that has no foundation in morals or in law. They have sprung from the same family tree of obscurity as we have. Their history is as rude in its primitiveness as ours. Their ancestors were running wild in living in trees of branches like monkeys as ours. They made human sacrifices, ate the flesh of their own dead and wild meat from beasts for centuries, even as they have accused us of doing. Their cannibalism is more prolonged than ours. When we were embracing the, the banks of the, of the Nile, they were still drinking blood out of the, out of the skulls of their conquered dead. After our civilization had reached the noonday of progress, they were still living in holes with bats, rats, and other insects and animals. After we had already unfathomed the mystery of the stars and reduced the heavenly constellation to minute and regular calculus, they were still backwoodsmen living in ignorance and in blatant darkness. Every time I listen to that, it gives me boost bumps. Boost bumps. <laughs> Goosebumps. Every single time. It's it's such a it's such an important speech. It is 
I feel like that speech is my I have a dream speech. That's the speech that Garvey gave to the Jamaicans. That's that's what I got from it. I, I don't know what anybody else got. I can only speak on what I got. So, yeah. Marcus Garvey is a big deal for me. And eh, it sounds a bit selfish, but it's my podcast. Deal with it. <laughs> the ideals that he had, while some of them may have been a bit you know, controversial, the overarching theme of his being was Africa for Africans. And that's it. Point blank period. Black people for black people. And that's what I think it should be. I don't believe in racial segregation. I don't believe in building walls. I believe in building bridges. But if you're going to build a bridge, the other person should be willing to allow you to cross over. This shouldn't be a one-way street. It shouldn't be, oh, let me creep over. Let me get as much as this. Of this culture that I can get. Let me grab and then go. Well, can I creep over and grab? No. Okay, but you just can't. Okay, yeah, but but no. You can't come over here. No. It shouldn't be like that. We, as black people, and this goes for every single race, should have some semblance of pride in who you are. Don't let other people misappropriate what you are. Like, I'm not Hispanic in any way, shape, or form, but I'd be pissed off if I ever walk in the Taco Bell and they show me a chalupa. Like, what the fuck is a chalupa? What is that? You're, is, is that a thing? That's a thing back in... In Mexico, because I've never seen it. I've never heard of it. What is that? You know what I mean? It's it's a it's a skew of the culture. It's a it's a misappropriation of the culture. It's it's just wrong. And that's what it is. That's what that's what black excellence should be. Black excellence should be, you know what, we are black. And we are quite excellent. So why, oh why, are we allowing anybody to use us? Why are we allowing anybody to do anything to us that we don't like? Why are we not shining? Why are we not being the best black versions of ourselves that we could possibly be? You know? And that's the thing that's so sad. That's the thing that kind of hurts my heart when I think about black people, when I think about the black community. 
that's the thing that bothers me the most is that we are we're not basic we're incredible we're awesome amazing individuals and we should start acting like it stop acting like your only reason for living is to exist no your reason for living is to lead that is your reason that is who you are you are a leader you are a king among men you are a queen among women you are an individual and a force to be reckoned with so start acting like it and stop acting like unless they give me something i can't i can't make it make something of yourself allow yourself to be who you truly were meant to be and that's all i gotta say and that's it you guys thank you so much for tuning in to the final episode in the black history month series and i know i should have posted it a long time ago but life got in the way i got a little busy i'm sorry I'm going to work on it for next time. I'm going to do better. All of the excuses. Yeah. I hope you guys took something away from this episode. I hope it was enlightening. And even if you only took away a few moments of laughter and the occasional eye roll, I'm happy. Because as long as you got something from this. Because I'm, I feel like I have a voice. I'm not a prophet or a leader in any way shape or form but i feel like i have a voice and something to say just like you definitely have a voice and something to say so go out there and say it it's 2018 if you want to say something now is the best time to do it there's so many platforms out there there's facebook instagram twitter uh snapchat there's reddit i mean use what you have even if you think that you may not have anything to say you'd be surprised because there's at least one person out there in internet world that is willing to listen. So yeah, do that. Be the best you that you can be, no matter what. No matter what the situation is, just do it. <laughs> and that brings me to the end. Have a good day, have a wonderful week, and take care of each other and yourselves. Bye, guys. When asked what I think of Black History Month, I'm left at a loss for words. Honestly, it's sad, but I'm not sure what it means to me. I feel like it's a forced opportunity to celebrate black people. I wish it meant more to me, but I don't see the significance. I, I think that's probably because it wasn't instilled in me from a young age. I didn't learn much about black history or um, the icons that we have <clears throat> in black history from our past in school or anything. I think it, if it were um, like a specific day 
for example, that it would be reverenced more. But then again, I think a day isn't enough. I feel like black people exist every day. Matter of fact, every month. And it's not just those iconic people who existed before us that are amazing. But there's black people living today doing amazing things who need to be honored. I feel there needs to be a general respect and appreciation for black history and culture. I think more more awareness and acknowledgement from other cultures is necessary as well. I want us to be treated equally and not like charity cases, given a month to make us feel like we matter. That being said, this may be cliche, but I think that Black History Month is irrelevant until Black Lives Matter.